From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. When you pick up some scratches, cause you want a fun break The playful way you scratch is the next choice you should make You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that You could even grab a laser pointer and use your cap You could build yourself a homemade scratching machine Or use a piece from your chest set Go ahead, grab the queen Scratch like a DJ with your record player A cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer Cause when it comes to scratching, there's a million playful ways Thanks to scratchers from the California lottery A little play can make your day Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. I'm Mary Beth. Each episode, our special guest will bring with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is the stitch keeper herself, Chelsea Scully. You know her work on Twitter, where she crochets monsters and heroes and everything in between. Welcome to the show, Chelsea. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. I, this is really exciting. Um, we, uh, you know, when we started this, we wanted to like talk to a variety of different people in in the horror industry. And I remember seeing your work. I think it was during like a, um, one of the Joe Bob Briggs marathons, and you were like sharing your work on there. And I was like, this is amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah, that was like the first one where I actually did like a series of dolls. I was just going to ask, how um, how did you get into the horror genre? Has it been something that you've been a fan of your entire life, or how did you get into it? Oh, yeah. Um, my dad was a big horror fan. Okay. So um, I kind of just enjoyed it as well. I don't know if it just runs in the family or <laughs> what, but uh, I enjoyed it from a very young age. I always kind of liked being scared and all that. So, yeah, cool. I don't know. It just always had an interest in it. Cool. So how did you get into crocheting? Uh, my grandma, actually, she taught me when I was little and I just made like little blankets and dishcloths and that. But uh, yeah, I learned when I was about seven or eight. And then oh my gosh. Wow. I just I didn't crochet for that whole time. You know, I, yeah. I just kind of did it for a little bit and then I didn't pick it up again until I was about probably in my late 20s. Um, but I find when you 
learn to do something when you're younger, it kind of comes back to you easier. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, as soon as I picked up the crochet hook, I was like, oh yeah, I kind of, I watched a couple YouTube videos to give it a refresher course, but yeah. Yeah. So I love crocheting. I taught myself with YouTube videos um, because no one in my family does it, but I absolutely love crochet. I think it is so much fun. I have made blankets and dolls and stuff. So like, how did you decide you wanted to start crocheting these horror dolls? Um, I actually found a book. <laughs> it was called Super Creepy Crochet. And Ooh. it was in a, yeah, and so I found that, and it had, like, patterns for little dolls, so I made one. And actually, I still have the very first one I made from that book. But once I made it, I was kind of like, you know, this is cool. You can branch from that, right? So I kind of started making my own patterns and finding ways to kind of tweak it to make them more detailed. And that's kind of went from there. It's just fun to look at the characters and see if you can actually do it and using different techniques to make the detailing on them. Yeah. What's um? Yeah. So what's what's your favorite little monster that you've made so far? Oh, my Or God. one that you're most proud of, maybe is a better way to put it. I made like, well, you know, the movie Q, the winged serpent, right? Yeah. Yeah. I made like. A huge Q doll. Oh my gosh. And uh, oh my God. It, it took forever, but it was so awesome when it was done. And uh, yeah, I think that was my favorite. Cool. It was uh, maybe the most time consuming. There's a lot of swearing, but uh, <laughs> in, in the end, it turned out pretty good. I liked it. Well, that's so, um, did you keep it or did you sell it? Actually, Ernie has it. Ernie the dragon from The Last Drive-In. It's Aww. his girlfriend now. I don't know if they're still <laughs> together, but... <laughs> I love that. How um how long do your dolls normally take when you uh the ones the little the ones that you've been sharing on like Twitter, not like something like Q? Usually about I'm gonna say four to six hours. Oh um, wow, okay. Eight if it's a lot of detailing, but yeah, usually about four or six. Dang. Do your yeah. like, hands ever get tired? I feel like mine and like my I guess it just depends on how long I've been doing it, but like I feel like yeah. I have to work those muscles back up when I like have put my hook down for oh, a yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely, um, it takes a toll on your body, believe it or not. Like it's I have nice. like kinks in my neck and luckily my part-time job is at a physiotherapy clinic. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes I'll just go and I'll be like, Hey, do you think you can just, you know, push something around in my neck and get that muscle going? So there are times where I have to like take a break cause you'll get like a bit of frozen shoulder or something. Yeah. Um, but you do your exercises too, like, you know, your finger exercises yeah. and your shoulder exercises. I find yoga really helps with yes. stretching and strengthening some of the muscles and posture. I mean, I'm, I yeah. don't really do the right <laughs> oh posture God, anyway, but. <laughs> my posture when I crochet is terrible. I'm just like slumped over, like staring at it. And I like have to check myself. Like, all right, stop it. Like you're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't even check myself anymore. I'm like, it is what it is. This is how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a dumb question. What, how, how do you crochet? What, <laughs> I'm, I'm woefully uh, <laughs> ignorant on, on uh, crafts. <laughs> well, no, it's uh it's pretty much just a hook and a yarn. And I guess it would be a okay. form of like knots, I guess. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. I guess just, I get, well, they're called stitches, but I, yeah, it's just one stitch and you just put it together to make a product, I guess. <laughs> so do you work off of like patterns or stuff or do you have to develop your own patterns or? No, there's patterns out there. Um, okay. I develop my own patterns for my dolls. Okay. Um, I kind of use a weird, it's a weird technique. I guess you can only explain it as like a a yarn sculpting. Oh. So I use a lot of hot glue in that so I will crochet like chains this that may mean nothing to you Terry because you don't crochet <laughs> but I crochet a bunch of different chains and then I'll hot glue them to make like a more defined chin or like a cheek or something like that oh that's awesome. and then I just hot glue it on there I find hot glue is like once you learn to work with it it's it's like the greatest tool I have but it's learning to work clean with it because it's such a unforgiving glue to use but yeah, uh, I yeah, yeah. Do you write your patterns down? Like, do you sh and you share them, or do you keep them for yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I I just don't write them down, honestly. Oh, I just okay. kind of crochet until it looks good. 
Um, <laughs> like some characters only longer legs or longer bodies. So there's really no. So I have like the base pattern and then I just kind of work off that. Cool. Um, I'm working slowly on writing them down. Um, I do have like a book where it's just a bunch of scribbles that I can read, but I'm sure nobody else could. And eventually I'd like to like put them onto paper properly so people could do it themselves. But that would be so cool. I'm baby like so steps, at- I guess. Yeah, I'm so bad at making patterns. I'm just like, I just want to yeah. follow a pattern. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm envisioning yeah. like a, a book that you could sell, the stitch keeper that you could sell of your yeah. like instructions. That's what I'm thinking right yeah. now. Well, I thought about it, but for me it's like the rights, you know what I mean? Like I can't be like, oh, here's how you make a pennywise yeah. and then have yep, like yep. Yeah. King be like, No, we don't do that, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess I could That's do like point. that thing where you just give them a fake name. Like, you know, I don't know, <laughs> hockey wise or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Canadian hockey killer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just going to ask what, um, what's one character you've always wanted to create, but you haven't yet. Oh, jeez. There's, I think there's more characters I'd like to recreate because I pretty oh, yeah? much tried them all. I have to make an alien again, like the, the xenomorph. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to make I, I did make one a couple times, but I think I'd like to make another one just to see how much better it would turn out now that okay. I have more practice, I guess. Yeah. Um. Oh, oh, what I have always wanted to do, and this would be like a very far future project project is to remember the big clown at the end of Killer Clowns from Outer Space, like the big one that comes down and it's on like the strings. Yeah. I've wanted to make that one and have like the strings and have them all, you know, kind of like a puppet. Oh, that'd be amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'd like to do just a whole set of that movie to tell you the truth. All the characters are like the clown with, um, there's so, where he has his hand in the back of the cop and he's like a puppet. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so um, animated and so like, colored colorful i think that i think that'd be really kind of cool whole set yeah yeah and i've made the clowns before but not one that big to that right. extent <laughs> yeah yeah so i've cool. also wanted to like do like yarn bombing you know where people go and oh, just like yeah. crochet things so i mean if i had the time and the money i would make like a big ass <laughs> clown like that and just put it in the woods and like the national or like <laughs> the parks we have out here yeah <laughs> just have it out there but That'd be a lot of time for it to just, I don't know, get wrecked in the rain or have somebody steal it. Yeah. yeah. Do you, so like, with, yeah. yarn is so expensive, I feel like, especially if you're making a lot of projects. Do you, like, yeah. do you buy, like, the cheaper yarn to make your dolls or do you, are you one of those people that really likes the nicer yarns? No, I, I just use acrylic yarn. Yep. Just like a cheap <laughs> acrylic yarn. And it's not even the cost thing, it's a lot of people can be allergic to the other stuff in yarn. Yeah. Like the wool or whatever it's made of. So I just find acrylic is, it's tough if I don't recommend putting my dolls in the wash, but my daughter has a couple of my dolls and I've had to put them in the wash for obvious reasons, you know, four year olds and they they (laughs) held up all right. So um, yeah, they didn't hold up perfectly, but they held up well enough that it still looks like a doll and she can still play with it. So Cool. Yeah, no, I just find acrylic works perfectly fine, and and the hot glue doesn't melt it. I found with other yarns, ah, the hot yeah. glue will melt it. Yes. But this stuff seems to hold up fine. Cool. Yeah. So, Terry, do you want to talk about what we've been watching recently? Yeah. Cool. So, Terry, what have you been watching? I um, I have two that I'd like to talk about. One okay. um, is just it's a rewatch, but um, I'm going to be on another podcast at some point, and so I had to rewatch uh, Insidious. Oh, and I love that movie. It's that so movie good. is so good. It is so good. It's I, I just I love everything about it. I love I love the way it's the it's staged with with like the production design is amazing. The fact mm-hmm. that like it's not like a haunted house. It's like a haunted person. I just yeah, it, it's such a good movie. And I know that it was on like I put it on uh my top of the decade uh mm-hmm. back in the episode but man it was it was so much fun to to revisit that movie actually we just i just watched that recently because in the past couple of months because steve had never seen it oh really what did yeah, he think? he actually really liked it i think it was scarier than he expected or like i don't know yeah. i think 
I liked revisiting it because I watched I hadn't seen it in a long time and it's still as scary as it was when I was in high school. So Oh yeah. I think that's yeah. a couple really, really good jump out scares. Oh god, the worst one is when he's sitting at the dining room table and the the demon creature is behind him. Oh yeah. Shit out oh, of me. Yeah. I know it's in the trailer, but it's still in the movie, it like gets you. Yeah. <laughs> Someone expected. Well, it, yeah. And it was the camera work in that movie too. Like I love when movies do that kind of camera work where you're just it feels like you're walking through the house you know what i mean you yeah. don't get a whole view you kind of have to go around the corners with the camera and kind of check it out um the conjuring did the same thing that one kind of creeped me out with its camera work the way it's such a quiet film but when it gets loud it gets you know what i mean like they'll have yeah. like a big bang and it'll just be a window blowing open or something and you still kind of jump Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah. sound design in that in that series, well, that in that movie in particular, um, mm-hmm. is just woof, it's another mm-hmm. level. I I still yeah. love the the introduction with the big, loud orchestral and and insidious, just like blaring oh, on the yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah. Just oh so gothic and just so in your face. But a new movie I watched, I just watched it today, was One Bedroom, One Br. Oh, what did you think? Oh my God, this movie is fantastic. Oh, I am so excited. So it is about this uh, young woman who is trying to start anew in LA and she um, is applying to be um, in this, uh, this little apartment complex where everyone is super nice. Everyone's helping each other out. There's a cute boy that lives next door that she's like flirting with. Of course. Of course. As one does. So she she gets into the the into the, the the apartment and it's one bedroom. And every night the plumbing is super loud. There's like creaks. There's like a lot of noises and no one else seems to notice it but her. And then she kind of breaks the rules because it's a no pet place and she has a cat and someone starts slipping threatening notes under her door saying you're being selfish, bitch, for oh. having a cat. And then. It goes from there and it is it is quite a ride. Okay. <laughs> it is a movie that like the first act is completely different from the second act is completely different from the third. And I can't really I can't say any more than just that because I, I feel like this is a movie you want to kind of go into not knowing too much. Yeah. When does mm-hmm. it come out? Um, It comes out the end of this month, I believe, on VOD. I think I want to say it's like April 24th, maybe. Okay. That I think. Great. Yeah, I definitely think this is one to keep an eye on. It's very unsettling and it's um has some really trippy things to say. Cool. Yeah. I'm excited to see it. I've been here I remember hearing about it at other festivals. I just haven't been able to see it, so Yeah, same. I've been wanting I to see excited. it since like I, where did it it like premiered last year at like I don't remember uh, I where can't remember. It? Fantastic Fest or something. I don't know. It was one of the yeah. fests last year. And I've been wanting to see it since then, so I'm I'm really glad I got to see it. And I really I think I think fans of of it, it kind of reminds me like I don't know. It's I don't want to I don't want to say anymore. <laughs> but um, it's 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 really <laughs> no it's just really a good right exactly. Mm-hmm. It's it's really good paranoid, very yeah, not what they mm-hmm. seem type story. Yeah, that's it for me. What about you, Mary Beth? So I finally watched um, Gojiam Haunted Asylum mm-hmm. this weekend. Holy shit. This movie Have you seen that? So good. Have you seen it, No, Chelsea? I haven't. What, what is it? I'm going to write it down. Um, Gojiam, <laughs> um, G-O-N-J-I-A-M, Haunted Asylum. It's a Korean found footage movie. And Ooh. it's. I had like a found footage kick this weekend. I watched As Above So Below and Gonjam. Um and I put it on like you have talked about it so much, Terry. And I was like, Steve, I'm just gonna put this movie on. He's like, Okay, cool. And holy cow. It's just like next level in terms of scare. So the premise is this group, the horror terror crew or horror, horror times, pardon me. Horror times, they're like a group of it's like three guys, you YouTubers who make videos about haunted places. And so they're going this this time they're going to like the most haunted place in Korea with um three women who are like they applied to be on the show. So it's basically like they are all going to do this big live stream and their goal is to hit a million views because they're going to the most haunted place in Korea. And so which is a real place, by the way. Yes. 
And so they go there and, you know, they do this typical like ghost show, like the door slammed. Oh, my goodness. And then it just pulls some very intense scares that I was not expecting. <laughs> In ter- like there's some jump scares, but they're like, I think, well, earned jump scares. I think the use yeah. of like found footage is really fascinating in this one because they use GoPros and live cams and also a camcorder. And so it's really interesting to see how they jump between the different the different cameras and how they use it as those different cameras. And I think it's terrifying. It was a movie that had me scared to go in the dark in my closet <laughs> that <laughs> night, which doesn't happen in a long time. Like under my skin a little bit. Um, yeah. It's, it's kind of nice when a movie does that, though, isn't right? it? Right? Like, it is. Absolutely. Because you don't, as you get older, you don't they don't hit you like that anymore. So when I see a movie and I have to like turn on every light and then do that thing where you like turn on the hall light and then go to your room and turn off the hall light, turn on the bedroom light, get to your bed, (laughs) you know, position it so you can get right in there as soon as the light goes off. Yeah. There, and there's, there's some absolutely freaky imagery in this movie. Um, and that was one of my favorite things getting, uh, direct messages from, from Mary Beth as she was watching it. Cause like there are just some really freaky ass things in this movie. Yeah, I have a tendency to message Terry, like, usually, especially when he, rec- he like, asks me to, or not asks me, but, like, rec- um, recommends something to me, and this is crazy, I'll be like, all right, well, I have to let him know what I'm watching, and I also, so our friend, uh, friend of the show, uh, Josh Anderson, he watched it after I tweeted about it, and he texted me, and he was like, I had to pause it, I had to give myself a break, it was too much, <laughs> And then he's like, okay, I'm going back to watch it. And then he said he loved it, but it gave him chills for the first time in a long time. So I was like, this movie is something special and it is being slept on. And Terry has been the champion and I will join you as the champion for this movie because it is so good. And it's on Amazon. I don't think it's prime, but no, it's like, I think you have to buy it. like three bucks to rent it. Um, but it's worth, I think it's worth every penny because it's really, it's a good time. And it's like an hour and a half and it's just like prime spooky. So that's what I watched this weekend, and I was very, very excited by the choice I made. Cool. I'll have to check that out. I love found footage. Any found footage. I'm a whore oh, for found then, footage. Then you will, you will love this, and I would love to see some of, like, some dolls and some of the things that are in it. Yes. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. So does it have, like, creepy monsters and all that? Like, the creepy demon things, I guess? Um, It's more like ghosts but like have you ever played fatal frame no okay it's basically like they're just like really creepy fucked up ghosts so they're all humanoid looking but yeah. they're like uncanny like there's something off about the the creatures in this yeah those are the so, best creatures though yes exactly so there's a lot of moments where it's like it's a person but it's like very obviously not a person kind of situation mm-hmm. um yeah, I don't want to spoil too much about it's like some of the things there, but there's there's a lot of really cool, creepy imagery that would be cool dolls that I would happily purchase. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chelsea, what have you been watching recently? Oh, um, I've been actually I've been going through uh, Supernatural, um, mm. like oh, just cool. the whole se- like all the seasons. I watched it when it first you know started years ago. And I think I stopped at like season four or something. Mm -hmm. And I just never, I I just fell behind. That's what happened. I fell behind and now they're at season like what, 16 or something, 15? I was going to say, anyway, it's their last (laughs) season. Yeah, so there's a lot. There's like, I looked it up, there's like 300 and something episodes I got to get. Holy shit. So I'm picking away at that. (laughs) Um, I forgot how great the second season was. I'm only on the second season, but anyway, I I enjoyed it for the first four seasons I watched. I watched. I hate calling movies a stinker, but this one was just a stinker. (laughs) I found it. It was called I See You. And it had (laughs) Helen Hunt. And I was like, I'm laughing because Carrie and I have talked about this movie. Did you watch it? Yes. Did you guys watch? It was just like it had potential. And then like that second act, I'm like, okay, I see where they're going here. It also has, you know, potential. And then they tried to tie it together. And it just seemed like they just... We're making three different movies. You, you know what I mean? Like, it, I don't, oh, I know. Do. I don't want to talk about it. It was awful. 
I, it was a waste of time. I loved it. And, uh, <laughs> oh, did you? I'm sorry. But, no, don't apologize. Um, yeah, uh, no, I think. I have a question. Can we tell spoil? Like, can we like actually like talk about this movie? Like, can I talk about? Let's the just ending? say spoilers for I see you, and then like we'll put everybody when we're done talking about it. We'll put it in the show notes so you can skip ahead. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. okay so you know, at the beginning, when the kid like blew off the bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How? Like. I was thinking maybe this is a ghost, and then I'm like, okay, so the kid got abducted, but did he just? But was this just a? I don't know. They, I, I, How did he one, fly off the bike? There's one point in the movie um, where they kind of mention they find like tine, like a uh, like fishing tine, and so it really was just struck across, oh, and he yeah. rode into it on the bike yeah. and pulled him off. Okay, you know. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. That was the only thing about that movie where I was like, why? I, I don't understand. <laughs> uh, but no, that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I didn't think about it that way. It, you know, uh, it's gotten a lot of diverse opinions on it. I know mm. some people really liked it. Some people really hated it. Yeah. I, Mary Beth, you were kind of in the middle, I weren't you? I was in the middle. I was like, I was kind of mad at the end. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I was just kind of pissed. I was like... Are you serious? But I, I I enjoyed the setup a lot. I thought the, someone was saying the mask is not creepy mm. in that movie, and I don't agree with that. I think that mask is fucking terrifying. Yeah. I don't care what they say yeah. on the internet. But I yeah. I enjoyed it for the most part. But I don't think I don't love it. I don't hate it. I was like I'm glad I saw it. But like yeah, eh. I just with you like it's the same thing as you. Like I didn't like the ending, and one of my biggest pet peeve like if I say I hate a movie it's because I did not like the ending but it kept right. me going till the end you know what I mean yeah if the movie is boring enough to me that I can turn it off in like half an hour I'm like whatever I didn't yeah. lose time of my life watching this but when you watch a movie and then at the end you don't like it you're just like oh rude like <laughs> it's definitely compelling. um so I think that was that, yeah 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 and there's been a couple movies that have done that where at the end I was like Ugh, why <laughs> that is always the worst and you're like hell yeah hell yeah and then it ends and you're like oh yeah oh, anyway yeah. that was my problem it was just a weird ending and i didn't like it <laughs> Solid. that's fair um yeah and i think i don't know what else i was really watching that's pretty much it oh Ooh. well tiger king but i mean yeah and we're getting oh, a new yeah. episode apparently Oh, we you are. know, I, I don't even know if I'd watch another episode. It was just something was, to, yeah, like like there was no closure at the end, but I didn't care. I just watched them all throw a big ruckus for however many seven episodes, and then I'm like, I really, you guys can carry on with your lives. That was fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the reprieve from my my weird ass life and seeing a very 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 much weirder version of life. Like, good God. Mm-hmm. So, but is that was, what it's like? What, like, where was that in Florida? Oklahoma. Well, Oklahoma. I, I is think... that what it's like in Oklahoma? Like, are people <laughs> are there people heard. like that? Preston Fangoria yeah. yeah. said that Oklahoma life is exactly like that. That's well, crazy. and like. And Carol is in Florida. So like, and Florida is definitely like, if you Google like a Florida man, you will see so many random ass weird stories about people. And so like, that doesn't, (laughs) that part didn't really surprise me. Well, and yeah. I, I work with a couple people from Florida and we always like make fun of them, but they're like, it's not the actual people from Florida. It's people that come here because our laws are so lax and they just fuck mm-hmm. around and they get us, they give us a bad name. I was like, I'm sorry, <laughs> but you're stuck with it, man. <laughs> like you're yeah. stuck with that name. So like my yeah. direct supervisor always laughs about it. She's like, I swear to God, we're not all bad in, t- in Florida. I'm like, I know, but your state has quite the reputation. Quite mm-hmm. the reputation. <laughs> So we have talked about what we've been watching recently, but Chelsea, what movie have you brought with you to talk about tonight? I have brought Hellraiser. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. So for those of you who are listening who have not seen Hellraiser or need a refresher, we'll just read a really quick synopsis. Sexual deviant Frank, my favorite description, inadvertently opens a portal to hell when he tinkers with a box he bought while abroad. 
The act unleashes gruesome beings called Cenobites who tear Frank's body apart. When Frank's brother and his wife, Julia, move into Frank's old house, they accidentally bring what is left of Frank back to life. Frank then convinces Julia, his one-time lover, to lure men back to the house so he can use their blood to reconstruct himself. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. As one does. I As mean, one does. So, Chelsea, how old were you when you saw this movie? And what? <laughs> okay. What did it? What? What? <laughs> okay. This this is a weird one because I I used to sneak out because my dad, like I said, watched scary movies. So mm-hmm. I was allowed to watch some, but obviously not others like Hellraiser. <laughs> right. But he watched, and I could sneak down the hall and kind of hide behind the couch, and he couldn't see me, or he could see me and didn't care. But I remember watching the scene and I didn't know it was Hellraiser at the time but it was the scene where Christy was in the hospital bed and oh, she opens yeah. up the and you know she goes into the wall and then that big fucking thing was like chasing her down the hallway yeah. and I, that that's what I came out and saw and I turned around and went back to bed I was like no I'm gonna say I was like maybe seven? Oh wow oh. I, I was young I, I was young yeah, I remember I just cried in bed and I thought about that scene for like years and I never knew the movie and I would never ask because then, you know, they'd know I was out watching it. But I watched it again when I was like, I'm going to say 13 or 14. And then I saw that scene and then I kind of got scared again because it brought back the childhood, I guess, trauma of seeing that scene. But um, even now, whenever that scene comes on, I still kind of just get those like heebie-jeebies. Like I can watch it. I don't sit there and cry anymore. but. <laughs> but I really liked the movie. I like the movie in general. It's just such a great film, and the scary parts are scary mostly because the FX are so cool in that film. So cool. Um, I'm a I'm a visual person, obviously, with like the dolls I make and all that. <laughs> so I really enjoy the scary movies that have the cool monsters and all that. And the Cenobites were always good for creepy, gory just weirdness yeah and even just the whole plot of the film like it's just it's a good story you know you can have a horror movie that's awesome but the story is kind of meh but this one was just good all around it's just an all-around good creepy film it's so good I rewatched it today I so I saw it in high school um it was like a like a stereotypical like my best friend came over. We were watching, like, we were always, we always watched horror movies when we had like slumber parties. And so it was like four in the morning and we watched Hellraiser. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Because I knew what Poop Pinhead was. I was like, oh yeah, it's going to be all about him. But I did not realize like the sex stuff mm-hmm. and a lot of the stuff. And I distinctly remember, I like, guess, especially at the very end when the hooks go in his face and he's just yeah. like, a face and he goes, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what in the hell is this movie? And I loved it. I absolutely, I was hooked, as they say. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, that was one of like those movies that I was, you know, I wasn't super young, but I don't think I really understood what was happening fully. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it holds up. Like, even now, when you watch it, it's... It's it, super hold That just kind of holds up. Yeah. Like, some films, I think, oh, they're so awesome, and I watch them now. I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I guess it was all right, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, like, this one just looked cool, and... The effects yeah. stand up so well, especially when Frank first comes back to life. Oh, I love that scene. Out of the floorboards. And it's just, it's like, so the nervous gooey. system... It's, yeah, like, the nervous yeah. system is built up and like his brain starts forming and the fingers start coming out of the, the the middle and it's just like the rats are running around and it's just so well executed i watched this and another movie last night about a werewolf that i won't say because for the podcast but like i've been supremely impressed with the amount of special effect or like practical effects i've been seeing in like movies recently yeah i i'm t- <laughs> I, I think the 80s is like perfect for it like that is the one thing that i i love now that we're looking back at a lot of these films from when we were children is the amount of really awesome practical effects work from like 
the some werewolf transformations to like this goopy thing Mm -hmm. like it is there's so much goop in this but like it's so (laughs) Mm -hmm. it was so cool to see how how they would go about creating this Mm -hmm. when in a time where it wasn't just something you could just throw up a computer generated thing of on you know Mm -hmm. love practical effects like oh i did too i think that's what's what's missing in the newer films um i mean they're coming back to it in that but yeah cgi is definitely great but i like it when it's used with the practical effects in a good way instead of just strictly cgi you, you can tell mm. the difference that's all i'm saying I absolutely can tell the difference between a head getting exploded cgi style or practical effects style and i yeah, prefer I'll, practical i'll tell you what i i if i see i i cannot stand anymore seeing cgi blood and cgi fire that there's nothing mm-hmm. worse to me than seeing like the when someone gets shot and they just use CGI to plant like a blood splout on someone or something. I'm just like, no, get a fucking yeah. squib. <laughs> yeah. CGI fire is awful too. I'm always like, oh, we all so know that's not real. Come on, guys. It just, just looks so fake. Mm-hmm. Terry, how old were you when you first saw Hellraiser? You know, I'm not really sure. Um, okay. I think I think it was in high school. Um, okay. And I. I don't I honestly don't have much of a memory of this. I I remember I read a lot of uh, Clive Barker books. um, And so I I had read this before I'd seen seen the movie, which is a weird um, transition to go into. Have you guys ever read the book? I actually was going to ask a question about like Clive Barker books and what I should read. So um, I have not, but I would like to start reading more of him. So can you tell me more about the book and also what Clive Barker books I should be reading? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, this, uh, this is a really good one to read. Um, the Hellbound Heart. Um, it's, okay. it's follows a similar plot structure, except okay. that uh, Kirsty is not a daughter. She's like someone that is a, f- a friend of um in the book. His name is Rory, not uh, what's it in the movie? La- Larry is it Larry? The dad. The dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she's like a friend of Larry that's like in love with him. Oh, interesting. Which is kind of weird. Is she still young? In, um, you know, I don't remember. It's been so long. Okay. I don't remember how old she is, but. It's still kind of weird to consider that when when you consider a lot of the like sexual overtones in this movie towards uh, Kirsty. Yeah. <laughs> and you consider that yeah. the character was based was was at one point not you know related. But yeah, so that I, I I definitely recommend the Hellbound Heart. I I think the Books of Blood that he wrote, um, which okay. are a bunch of like shorter like stories. Talks about that one. Is Midnight Meat Train one of his short stories? Yes, that is in the Books of Blood. <laughs> And uh, that movie, sorry, that movie was a joke in high school because I saw it and I love that movie and I tried to get all my friends to watch it and they thought I was trying to get them to watch porn. <laughs> they like didn't believe me that it was a real horror movie and I was like, no, Midnight Meat Train, it's really good and like Bradley Cooper's in it and I was like, it's so gory and weird and they're like, it's not, you're just messing with us, you just want us to watch porn. I was like, absolutely not, this is not porn, it is the opposite of porn. <laughs> you know. So funny story about that too for for me is that um because that kind of got dropped here like you know they just they 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 sh- they put it off in a bunch of like second run theaters yeah. around us right and yeah. so like I got my friends to go see it and first of all they're like this sounds like a porno and you're taking yeah. me to this like second run like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. like in like it was in the bad part of town and it's all run down and like, you know, half the seats have like plastic on them. Like it was this rundown yep. old theater. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to see this movie called Midnight Meat Train in this uh, really shitty theater. I feel like there's no other way to do it. Well, no, there's not. <laughs> anyway. Okay, cool. Well, I will definitely be checking that out because I like all of the movies I've seen based off of his work. And he mm-hmm. seems like, the kind of weird scary sexy kind of guy that i like so yeah absolutely chelsea have you read any of his books i haven't okay. but i do have one of his books um in the closet in my pile of books that i bought because i'm gonna read and then i just <laughs> never read them because i don't find the time yep <laughs> um I do, yeah. I do love reading but i'm one of those people that needs complete silence when i read i can't oh, like read okay. while i'm taking the bus or read while I'm a passenger in a car or something. Okay. Um, I need silence and I rarely get that around here, but cool. um, yeah, I do 
and checking it out eventually. Maybe after this, because now I'm intrigued again. As soon as he said what the name of the book was, I'm like, I have that? I should go read one of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I also really like, he, he, he's gotten a lot into um, more fantasy, like dark fantasy type novels. And there's one that I really enjoyed called The Magica. Okay, yeah, I've heard of that one. Um, it's like it's it's a super long epic uh, movie, but man, is it his the thing that you got to know about Clyde Barker is that he's a very like he writes very um, descriptively. So yeah. like his books are are very lyrical to read. Uh, and it's something that like I don't feel like gets translated well into film, even with even with Hellraiser. Um, but his his writing is just very it's just very lyrical. It's like he's he's pulling out like a song almost. And uh uh-huh. And Magica is really, it's a stunner. It's cool. a really good book. Okay. Because, well, and so are the Cenobites in Hellbound, the Hellbound Heart? Yes. Okay, because I love the Cenobites. I want to talk about the Cenobites. And yes. Who you, and which Cenobite you are, because I asked Steve that this morning. I was like, which Cenobite are you? He's like, what? I'm like, tell me, which Cenobite are you? He's like, I guess I'm Pinhead. It's like, fine. I am the teeth-chattering Cenobite. <laughs> Me too! <laughs> oh. Yeah, he was creepy. Yeah. I think I'd be Pinhead. I'm going to yeah. have to go okay. with the, the Pinhead. Yeah. So what I love about the uh, the Cenobites is is that I, I read – I was doing some research into this, and Jane Wild Goose um, did the Good costumes, name. right? And – she says that when when um when he was like when he when when Barker was working with her to design the costumes, mm-hmm. he gave her a copies of an underground publication called Piercing Fans International Quarterly, <laughs> oh. and he wanted to make them he wanted to make sure that she made them look like and this is a quote magnificent super butches. Okay. <laughs> So like they were huh. they were talking about like how they're dressed in leather aprons with open areas revealing strips of skin had been removed and they were proudly displaying the to indicate that their bodies are in a constant state of transformation. It just I I, I love how like queer <laughs> the costumes are. I mean, yeah, they're they're they they're pulled from like, you know, S and M clubs that he would that that Clyde Barker would, would frequent. They're also incredibly queer. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and they're beautiful in a sense, you know what I mean? Like, they're just so, I I don't know, it's creepy, but in a good way. Yeah. I forgot, I think I mentioned this already, but I forgot how sexy this movie was. And Mm. this time I really was thinking about, like, how there is a weird, like, this is going to sound weird, but like eroticism to the Cenobites. Because I know that's like kind of what they stand for, but they capture that really well, especially in Pinhead and the the female-coded Cenobite who has the like the vaginal looking opening on her throat and has right. the um, the pierce like the the wire piercing, but like they there's something alluring about them which I hadn't really thought about before when watching Hellraiser, but this time I was really clued into like the kind of terrifying allure that they have and like how it isn't actually that inconceivable that someone might like, fall under that spell of theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one um, area in the book that is a little bit different than the movie because um, in the book they give a per- when a person solves the the puzzle, they give them an option. They're like, "Is this what you want?" So in in here, it's sort of like it, it kind of feels like they solve it and then they come and they you know do the sex torture mm-hmm. bliss thing. But like in the in the book, they actually offer Frank the option to to join them or not. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And of course he does because he's, you know, in the search for things that he, he can't be satiated. So do they talk about that in the book more? Because obviously, like, in the movie they talk about it a little. But is it, like, more detailed in the book in terms of, like, his obsession with, sex, like, sexual deviancy? Because, like, I don't get sexual deviant really from him in the movie that much. I just get that he likes sex. Well, but, what's what's funny about that is that um, they actually had to cut a bunch of the erotic parts out. Oh, okay. Um, because of the MPA, like, um, in fact, the 
the flashback sex scene between them was actually a sodomy between uh, Frank and, and Julia. And there was spanking and the MPA like had amount of times that he could spank her before like it was oh, considered obscene. Sake. So like they had to cut a lot of that, a lot of that extra erotic parts out, which is always so fascinating in, in the U S when we're okay with the gratuitous amount of blood and gore and stuff, but three spanks, that's too much. Yeah. That was a different time. That was back in the 80s. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were a little, uh, they had some standards back then. But uh, yeah, but some even the sex scenes they had in there were very like, I love those sex scenes in that Hellraiser film. Yeah, yeah. And I really liked how wet Frank was. Like even in the beginning when like, <laughs> right. know, like even in the beginning when like he's he's like fully has all of his skin and everything. He's just like oozing sweat. Mm-hmm. He is and the scene where like he's like mm-hmm. knocking on the door to come in well, like in her flashback. Just escaped he's from hell, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean even before that, when he's like yeah. solving the puzzle for the first time, he's just like covered in sweat. And when in flashback when he's knocking on her door, it's raining, so he's just like drenched. Like he is always Mm-hmm. always wet and then of course he's literally glistening in blood and viscera yeah and i also didn't i like he's grimy yeah like it's interesting at the, at the beginning too like he's, he's sweaty but his nails are like completely caked in dirt and like he's always like this grimy but like again alluring figure that is like you should maybe be a little bit disgusted by him but really you're like i'm into yeah. it yeah know. well he has like that bad boyish kind of thing to him you know like oh yeah he's dirty but he is also like searching the box he's kind of like i don't know the indiana jones of like horror movies like oh my god i love that box for years um yeah so he's got that kind of like dirtiness to him i find you know not like i was attracted to on drugs dirty but like Archaeologist sexy, I guess. Yeah, something with archaeologist sexy. Yeah, I, I <laughs> it's a thing now. I love it. Well, and even like, I guess I hadn't really thought about the movie too much um, from like a queer perspective, even even with the fact that it was you know written by a, a gay man. But like when he's feeding off of the men that she brings him. It's there's something very erotic about it. Like there, I'm, I specifically took a note about the one guy where like he's like the body's against the uh, the wall and he's up against the back of him and like his fingers enter the guy's neck and it's very like penetrative, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and it's there's yeah, like yeah. and then he like sucks him dry and it's there's just like so much queer coding in this that I I completely never saw before for some reason. Yeah, that's like I actually had never thought about that either. And then like, can we talk about Kirsty? Yeah, why I was every, say, I was yeah. About her. Why every man in this is like lusting after her? It's kind of creepy. <sighs> I also love her. She's one of my favorite. She's one of my favorite final girls. Oh yeah, I love her. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she's like tough as shit. She was having like none of that. None of it. You, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, if Pinhead yeah. came out of the wall and I, I just sit there and cry, I say I would be tough, but I'd be like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'd just be dead. But no, she fought it like just to see something like that and yeah. be like, no, I'm going to fight instead of go with them. Yeah. And like when when she uh, faces Frank for the first time and like grabs the 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 puzzle box and like throws it out the window, basically saying, fuck you, go get it. I was like, ooh, girl, you have some. Mm-hmm. You have some spunk. Well, and also there's that entire, yeah. that entire part where she works in that pet store and the guy puts his hand in the crickets and then he eats the crickets off his hand. Mm-hmm. That part. Yeah. I completely forgot about that part when I rewatched it. And I was like, what mm-hmm. is happening right <laughs> now? <laughs> well, and and like her father is like questioning why she needs to go get her job like he's basically yeah. like on the phone he's like just come live here you've made your point now come back home and then like her boyfriend or her soon-to-be boyfriend i guess is filling up her drink at dinner and she's like i won't be able to stand he's like so lie down and there's the movers of the, the mattress yeah. i'm just like it's just like there's a lot of really interesting looks at sexuality in this movie like in terms of uh, i don't 
know if consent is the right word, but like different kinds of sexualities and like the ways that sexuality represents, it can like present itself. Cause I feel like there's a lot of misogyny in this movie and I'm not quite sure yet if it's intentional or if it's just a product of the eighties. I feel like it could be either one at this point, but it does feel very interesting in a movie that is about like essentially summoning BDSM gods having her being completely subjected to like the stereotypical male gaze is like a really interesting kind of discussion about like how sexuality presents itself as in like scare quotes normal versus like these deviant and scare quotes sexualities that the monsters represent. So that's really interesting. Or the way like Frank says, come to daddy. Oh, that was very strange. Oh, yeah. He was always very creepy to her, though. I always found that creepier because that's like family. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. no, that was creepy. And then at the end, when he's wearing her father's skin and saying, come to daddy, like, it's just yeah. very icky. <laughs> yeah, this whole movie is like pretty icky. Like, oh, sorry, Zucchini's tail. Um, It's like icky in a lot of interesting ways. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why it's so great. It gets under your skin. You know, yeah. I, the films that just get under your skin are the films that are going to last a lifetime. That's very true. But I will say that Julia is my queen. Um, <laughs> her <laughs> oh mix God. of power suits and like her butch femme vibes off. Yeah. Like, through the movie, she becomes like more and more androgynous it, to me. And like her, her, crazy awesome mullet gets higher and higher oh my god i know oh yeah. so good that sounds kind of sad when she died i did like her yeah right? well, she was and, just such a bitch but like a powerful bitch yeah. you know what i mean she's just a powerful woman well and but like she, she was, was doing it for love <laughs> like she was doing yeah. it for love for him and you saw how quickly how little he cared about that yeah I always I think about that today like how she really isn't in a very unfortunate like manipulative situation like obviously she made a very bad choice in cheating on her husband with his brother but like she's also stuck in this really weird situation where it's like she's kind of beholden to this creepy weird dead man in her attic who fucked her really good I mean, let's just be honest right yeah like, I mean like yeah uh, <laughs> the best of her life like Hell yeah. The, oh, the, and there's that scene where they're had like it's like the flashback scene intercut with Larry cutting his hand on the nail. Oh yes, I love that. Oh, that is such an interesting scene where they like it's like getting closer and closer to the nail and his skin is getting closer and closer. And obvi- like, very obviously like it's conflating pain and pleasure, but it's such an interesting right. way of like relaying that. It's not watching them and this is probably for rating reasons, it's not watching them, you know, spanking in bed. It's that inner cutting and i think that's a really creative way to show it if you can't if you're restricted by the mpaa like why not show it like that and i think that was really interesting mm-hmm. and very creative way of like getting that point across and a, a subtle is probably the wrong word but subtle <laughs> i guess compared to what they wanted to do that yeah exactly subtle and i love i just i love some of the the lines that are in here like oh no t- no tears please it's a waste of good suffering oh i know it's like inherently quotable, but like in a fucked up sort of way where like I right. shouldn't quote it all the time. But like Steve and I say Jesus wept probably more Jesus often wept. than it's like probably. So I correct. say that all the time, <laughs> all the time. Jesus wept. Um, Steve actually says uh, like as a joke, like a wait, it's a waste of good suffering. Um, he'll he'll make, he'll say that if I'm crying and to make me laugh, which is <laughs> like pretty effective actually. Um, there's another thing he says a lot that is funny, but it's quoted more in this house than it's probably in a lot of other houses, but it's a classic here. So I, I also kind of am curious about looking at, at the boxes, like, so the scene where, where, where Kirstie's in the weirdest hospital I've ever seen, like, I wasn't quite sure what was going on there because they were almost acting as if like she did something wrong. Like you're gonna have to talk to the police. And I, I still don't quite understand why she would need to talk to the police and why they're like restraining her to the room. But like when she's like playing with the box and like just before that, there's like the image of like the flower opening. I'm like, Oh, she's exploring sexuality at this point. Mm -hmm. And like, that's not going to pan out well for her. 
No, it doesn't. And that's why I'm like, I'm, it, it has some weird things to say about, about sex. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious if, if that jumped out to anyone else. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying though. Like I, I had, I, I was thinking about it, but yeah, no, that makes sense. But uh, there's so much imagery like that in this film. That's just, you know, hanging out there. If you catch it, you catch it and it's off. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's monstrous, which is really interesting. Right. <laughs> like it's a big old a dick flying at you down yeah. the hallway. Oh my god, big creepy weird like, <laughs> chasing you down the hallway, like terrorizing you. I mean, that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise you from Clive Barker. I haven't read a lot of his stuff, but like just knowing what he's about, like it makes sense. Like and I also think again, like it's go again it goes against the normal like representation of sexuality with young girls. I mean Kirstie, I think she's probably a little bit older, like in college, right? It, is that kind of the vibe that we get? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm getting like early 20s. Yeah, because um, she like lives on her own and is, has a job and stuff. But she's still pretty, it's like obviously young and like she wears all white all the time. So like you get that virginal coating. But the way that like sexuality and discovering sexuality in young women is represented as like this beautiful, like a flower opening, like this beautiful thing. But here it's completely fucked up. And I kind of love that. Mm. It's not this like beautiful, perfect experience, but like it can be weird and it can be gross and it can be uncomfortable. And I think it definitely goes against the the usual, as much, obviously much more metaphorical than like the usual representation. But I think it is a very interesting way of, challenging preconceived representations of young women discovering their own sexuality. What's, what's interesting to, to me also is that um, some people have considered this movie to be homophobic, actually. Oh. In fact, um, mm-hmm. the guy that, that wrote um, Monsters in the Closet, Homosexuality in the, in the Horror Film, yeah. he is quoted as saying that um, – Barker is simply producing more images of monster queers with which to frighten mainstream USA. And because okay. he he sees he sees that like these these monsters which are obviously kind of queer coded are like destroying the heterosexual family. I I'm not really sure how I feel about it. Um because hmm. I can kind of I can kind of see two different ways. I mean it's 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 weird, you know? Is, is Barker gay himself? Yes, he's gay. Yeah. So it's it's interesting to me because I have read a lot of, I mean, I've read both things about like portraying queerness as monstrous is bad, but also portraying queerness as monstrous is empowering. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, it is a pretty subjective thing at this point. I think there is something empowering to see queerness as monstrous because it's a new a possibility. And I like to see the monstrosity and not in all movies. Cause obviously like sometimes it's like very obviously a bad thing, but in this movie, it seems like empowering and it's like a new possibility, new ways of thinking, new structures. And it's just like, it's changing the world and people's conceptions of the world. And like, that feels to me like it's inherently queer. And I think that's a good thing. And I can see where he's coming from and thinking that, you know, monstrous queerness is not good and i agree with that but i think well and were these monsters like the cenobites are more they're not your typical monster you know what i mean they're humans that are just on an advanced like you were saying like an advanced level so i mean they're they're ugly in a sense but they're not you know monster ugly they're not like chud Super people, yeah, uh, ugly. They're just more humans who are going through permanent torture. They still look like humans. One of the things that that Barker does examine a lot in his books and in his his movies. I mean, you can also see it in uh, in Nightbreed. Is this idea of like the monster is the outsider who is banished from society, and then Uh um, he's always considered himself as. um, And I have a quote where he's like, over and over again, I've created monsters who come from the outside. And who call call out to somebody to join them in the sanctum, and I kind of see, I kind of see, in a way, this story being about Frank struggling with maybe homosexuality because, like, you know, there's I think there's a reason that all the people that are brought there are men, and it's very like mm-hmm. sexual with his penetration to get out their their blood, and the fact that a cut scene from the movie was him having was practicing sodomy with with julia Mm -hmm. and like i kind of feel like 
maybe some of that was kind of cut out of the film because oh. it, Hollywood got a hold of it and wanted to make another, you know, big monster film. And so, like, yeah. I'm kind of wondering if there is a different cut of this movie or there is a different conception of this movie that kind of makes that a little bit more um, evident, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Write a book about That'd it. That'd be pretty cool if there was, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that got changed from this. Like, uh, he wanted Coil to, to do the music for it. And Coil is, um, has like a, an openly gay, um, it's, it's, I think it's like two guys and one of them, either one of them or both of them, I don't know, is openly gay. And like Hollywood didn't want to do it because it was cheaper to have an in-house band. So like, there's like all these like changes that Hollywood did once they, cause they didn't want to use Hellbound Heart for the, uh, the title because they said it sounded like a romance. So like they changed all of this, this stuff that he was forced to do to make it, to make this movie. But remake Hellraiser 2020. Yes, please. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about things we want to remake. Tilda Swinton. Oh, fan cast. Tilda Swinton. I'd like to see, I'd like to see her as a centibite. But I haven't actually seen any of the sequels either. Yeah. No, I are haven't they? either. Oh, are they worth digging into? Have you seen them, Chelsea? I think I stopped at three. Okay. <laughs> and I I just I don't recall enjoying them that much. Like they were okay. what they were. But okay. there is just something about the first one that I absolutely adore. Like Pinhead, I, I found as it went on, I would assume it was more just Pinhead doing his thing. And like he's a cool character, but, you know, I don't really have an interest too much in his history. Yeah. I'm assuming yeah. that's where the where the newer ones went from what I've heard. Um, I do. I, actually, I'm quite sure I have them sitting on my shelf. I just never once again got around to popping them on, but they're there. Well, have you guys I, watched them? I have no. not, but I will say I know that um, the Joe Lipset really likes him. Um, he's one half of the horror queers. And like, okay. he really likes uh, Hellraiser Bloodline, I believe it is. Oh, I've heard is that the new one? People, yeah, I've heard a lot of people actually talking about how it's good. I think it was like, I think it was the night from 1996. I think, I think that's the one where they go into space. <laughs> that's the space one? I think that's the one he's talking about. Oh my gosh. He's, he's probably like, space? say what? Did they go to space? Yeah. It, it. This one was like, some of it was like set in the future in like, in in space. And some of it was set in the, like there was like yeah, three different timelines. It's like all over oh. the, it's like a different timeline. I'm sure Joe is listening to this right now going, God damn it, Terry. <laughs> no, that is fantastic. I will watch that one because anything going into space is just my jam. It's apparently yeah. serves as both a prequel and a sequel. Yeah. I, I fuck with. <laughs> but yeah, so like, no, I, I haven't seen any of, I've, the only one I, this is the only one I've ever seen. I've not even seen the second one, which I hear is pretty, pretty decent. I think Joe has seen them all. I think he, he enjoys them all. I think this is his favorite of the horror franchises. Okay. I believe he's probably yelling at me because I'd probably said something wrong, but I know that they like covered uh bloodline on um, horror queers. Okay. Okay, feel I'm like I'm doing a deep dive into Resident Evil during this quarantine period, so maybe I'll do that with Hellraiser too. <laughs> um, so do we want to move into our final thoughts on Hellraiser, Terry? That sounds great. Awesome. So, Terry, how many stylish mullets out of five do you give Hellraiser, and what are your final thoughts on it? I I think I give it a let uh, let's say four and a half. Um, okay. Out of five. Um, okay. I think it's. I think it's a fantastic uh, movie. I love that a movie from the 80s was was tackling sexuality and and pain and pleasure and like S&M tropes and like just so much queerness in it. And the mm -hmm. fact that it was directed by and written by a, a queer man. Yeah, I think I think I think that's amazing. Um, I do think that some of the effects towards the middle kind of are a little iffy but i think that was a, a they spent so much money on like the the goopy effects that some of the smaller ones didn't translate so well so i don't think it's aged completely well in that regard but i think it's a fantastic film okay um yeah so i think four and a half stylish mullets out of okay. five for me what about you mary beth i'm gonna give it a five out of five stylish mullets i mean i think the effects are so good even if it's a little bit cheesy when like the sparks are coming out of the box, I 
adore this movie so much and I have such a deep appreciation for it and what it does and how different it feels from a lot of horror movies from that time in terms of like, you know, we always talk about slashers like Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th and Halloween. And those are all like they're unique, but they have a very similar trajectory in terms of narrative. But this one is just so different and the way it stands out and how creative and weird and goopy it is. It really just has a really special place in my heart. And also like it's it's queer. And I love that. And Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot more that can be explored about that. So Yes, Hellraiser, five out of five stylish mullets for Mary Beth. Perfect. And what about you, Chelsea? Um, what is what is your rating and what is your final word on this beautiful movie? It is a five out of five stylish mullets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and that it, it's just it's a terrifying film. Um, even now, it is just it's beautiful. Everything was just I, I would say it's close to a perfect film for me. Oh, cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cool. All right. So thank you so much, Chelsea, for joining us to talk about Hellraiser. Uh, Where can our listeners find you? And do you have anything coming up you'd like to share or any things that you have to plug? I know you have like a Patreon. Yes, I do have a Patreon. It is $5 a month and you get entered to win one of my dolls every month. So that's a very good bonus. As for projects coming up. I'm not going to lie with the quarantine here. It's been pretty tough, but uh, I'm pretty <laughs> Understandable. much doing, um, I do have a lovely coming up, a shining set. So I have, Jack, if you check it on um, my Twitter, I do have Jack and Wendy done. Um, I'm picking away at a Danny. It's taken some time, but uh, yeah, I'm hoping to get that done. I don't know. I'm kind of just rolling with it this month. Cool. Um, whatever dolls I feel like, we're just kind of doing what we can. Yeah. Um, where can listeners find you on Twitter? Can people find you on Twitter? Oh, yes. It's Tales from the Stitch. I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. If um, you want to give that to any of your moms so they can check it out or (laughs) something like that. I know people don't really use Facebook too much anymore. Um, (laughs) And then I also have a website, uh, just talesfromthestitch.com. And that's where you can go and either purchase some dolls or just see what's going on with what dolls are coming up. Things like that. Awesome. So listeners, you have heard from us, but we want to hear from you. What was your experience with Hellraiser? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm McGaley Dreadful. And of course, keep the conversation going by chatting with us on Twitter at scarredpodcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Steve Barnold for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. And thank you to everyone listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.